Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts, and hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I want to thank you guys for being here. It's uh, it's Thanksgiving week. It's rivalry week, but before we get to the Egg Bowl, we get a chance to break bread with uh, many of the people that we love, and I've had some people reach out to me that are, that are dear friends to say, you know what, my family's not getting together this year, and and we've had some illness in the family, and we just feel like it's best not to congregate, and I certainly respect those decisions, but uh, I'll have all of my children home, including my uh, brand-new grandbaby, so we're looking forward to celebrating her first Thanksgiving with her. So uh, that's the deal with us, and uh, I'm excited, to say the least, to have a little downtime. It's, uh, it's a crazy time of year for all of us. Uh, you know, 2020 was standing. It's a crazy time of year, and we're getting towards the end of football season. There's a lot of discussions about uh, what Mississippi State needs to do to get to a bowl game, and some people would kind of scoff at the idea. I'm told it's not so far-fetched. It stayed ends up in a bowl game, and it extends the streak. Bowl games need bowl teams. So we may get an opportunity to go play. And when he wins ball games, we, we need to win a ball game or two at the very least. But uh, don't don't think right now that say, well, you know, we're, we shouldn't make any postseason plans. Uh, it's not over. So I encourage you to kind of hold the rope here because uh, there may be some uh, maybe some more football to be played after the SEC championship game for other SEC teams. A lot of bowls are still figuring this thing out. I mean, you've goodness, you've got the New Mexico Bowl moving their bowl game to a different state to ensure that it's played. These people that run these bowl games, they work all year long for one day. So these bowl games want to be played. They need teams to play them. And so it's not out of the question that Mississippi State ends up in a bowl game. Lots and lots and lots of things between now and then. So let's, uh, let's get into some things and let's begin to kind of break down uh, what to expect this weekend, what you, sh- you should look for from the Ole Miss Rebels. I will share with you before we get too involved that uh, I have not been made aware of any losses or additions to the Mississippi State roster. We have uh, dug around and asked some questions and uh, I'm told that there's a good chance we get a couple of guys back, no names given. But uh, you know, by and large, it's going to be a shorthanded roster again just as we had against the University of Georgia. I know this is a newsflash to many of the self-loathing Mississippi State fans out there, but Ole Miss is not better than Georgia. We go out there and play our game, we got a chance to win the ball game. Simple as that. Not aware of any COVID issues at Ole Miss, have no idea what their injury situation looks like, but uh, we're going to go play a ball game. And uh, I have read with great interest, we had some discussions in the Gene Space chat room last night about well, we're probably better off playing the game uh, September 19th. There's no way of knowing that. There's no way of knowing what condition we would be. And I say, well, Steve, we wouldn't be shorthanded. You don't know that. We absolutely do not know that. We don't know what condition we'd be in in three weeks. So it is what it is. You go play the game. You know, this time last week, there were people in the uh, Ole Miss fan base media that were saying that Mississippi State's trying to get out of the game. It's completely false. Absolutely, completely false. We want to go play the game. We've always wanted to go play the game. That's a game we've always been, uh, you know, eager to participate in. You know, take nothing away from Ole Miss. You know, their last ball game out there, offense played exceptionally well against South Carolina. You know, South Carolina defensively is not what Mississippi State is, but it would be short-sighted to not say, you know what, those guys can score some points. We're going to have to get out there and play well to win the ball game. But let's not forget they're three and fourteen. All right, let's jump into this thing today. Thank our good friends from Bulldog Burger Company for making this show possible. 
I was there last Friday, got the big salad, didn't finish it. That is a, it's a recurring theme with me. I know a lot of people think, well, you know, Bulldog Burger Company, it's just burgers. No, it's not. A lot of things to choose from there. Of course, the specialty of the house is hamburgers. Good restaurant-quality hamburgers. Great, if you, if you dare. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and then on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. You gotta have the spring rolls when you go in. Roy and I did uh, on Friday when I met his family, and uh, we had a chance to break bread. If you're looking for a place to congregate with your friends, Bulldog Burger Company will allow you to do that. You go by, watch a ball game. They've got TVs all over the restaurant. They've got a full service bar, and uh, you can kind of have a, a kind of a tailgating experience without the inconvenience of having to put everything in and out of the car. So go by Bulldog Burger Company. Allow them to serve you. Have a great restaurant-quality hamburger and a great time with your friends and family. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville and Tupelo. Go to meet. M-E-A-T. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Coach Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID, and he is having some mild symptoms, so he is out. It is not considered a false positive, so he will not be on the sidelines during the Iron Bowl. Awfully interesting. Won't be in the building. He's already in quarantine at home. They say that no other Alabama players uh, have tested positive. As a result of this, I don't know how you handle the contact tracing. Let me make sure I get that right. Contact tracing. Because you know Nick Saban has been around players. You know Nick Saban has been one of their coaches. And so I don't understand all the protocols behind that. But they say that no other Alabama players are affected by that. It just, I don't know. It just kind of, I kind of scratch my head when I think about that. In other COVID-related news, the Mississippi State women's basketball game and tournament that was expected to kick off the season uh, that would have seen the Bulldogs likely play Connecticut in game two is off. So the Bulldogs will open the season December 2nd. The ladies will host the Lady Privateers of UNO December 2nd in Humphrey Coliseum. I know that there is, uh, you know, we're still kind of figuring this thing out, but most of you should know by now when and where you're sitting uh, for these ball games. Of course, you can see the Bulldogs on the road December 12th. Uh, at Hattiesburg, Mississippi, that's Saturday, against Southern Miss. So men's basketball will kick off uh, tonight against uh, the University of Clemson. And uh, Mississippi State, you know, one of those teams that so far has not had uh, any scheduling changes on the men's side. But let me, let me go ahead and prepare you. That's going to happen. The way these protocols are set up, there, there's just no way around it. Tonight, the, the men will play in Melbourne, Florida, at Titan Fieldhouse against Clemson. That will be on CBS Sports. Should be able to watch that uh, tonight. Should be an exciting brand of basketball. Very young, guard-oriented team. We'll see how things go. A lot of new faces, to say the least, uh, after what we lost a year ago. And uh, be patient with the Bulldogs. It's not going to be, you know, I'm not anticipating a great season. Uh, I hope if we can get, you know, kind of a mediocre result, maybe finish 500 in the conference, we'll, we'll have done really well. But, uh, again, it's kind of a transition year. And so, you know, I just encourage you to kind of be patient with these young guys because, uh, you know, listen, we've got some cool things happening. You know, we've got some new players in. You know, if we mentioned Jalen Johnson, grad transfer from Louisiana Lafayette. Iverson Molinar returns, should be your starting point guard. Uh, Javian Davis, a transfer from the University of Alabama, a, Cl- a Canton, Mississippi native. It's a guy that was kind of a late bloomer, eager to have him back. D.J. Stewart, of course, a rising star here from Mississippi State. Cam Matthews, freshman from Olive Branch, will come in at 6'7", 220. Uh, 
Devian Smith from Loganville, Georgia, Grayson High School, very highly recruited player. We expect him to be very explosive guard for Mississippi State, guy that can get up and go end to end. Anderson Garcia, also a freshman, originally from the Dominican Republic. How about that? Went to Hamilton Heights High School in Tennessee. Derek Fountain from Holly Springs, Mississippi. Justin Rump, Birmingham, transfer from Southern Union State Community College. Abdul Adu is back. Originally from Laos, Nigeria. Hamilton Heights High School there in Tennessee. If that sounds familiar, you're absolutely correct. That's Anderson Garcia's high school. And, of course, the son of Rick Stansberry, Isaac Stansberry, from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Andrew Junkin from New Hope, Mississippi will make, uh, you know, he's already got one letter. He'll make a return to the team. Quentin Post from the Netherlands. You know, he was a guy, too, that had a lot of trouble getting back into the country during all the quarantine and lockdown. Finally got all that worked out. He got back on campus and, uh, that's the thing, too, when you have so many international students that attend your university, not just student-athletes. And it's one of the things that I, that I was told by some people at Mississippi State is, you know, getting these people home was a little more, uh, you know, it was a little easier to do than getting them back. There are a lot of people that, you know, when they got ready to come back, there were some restrictions in place. So you had to kind of navigate through all of that. Reggie Morris, a freshman guard from Grandview, Missouri, will join the squad this year. And Tulu Smith from Western Kentucky that sat out last year, originally from Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, is now eligible to play. And then Keandre Montgomery, a freshman from Forest Hill High School there in Jackson, Mississippi. So that's the Bulldogs. And again, lots of new faces. Uh, we should expect there to be some issues tonight. I mean, that's just the reality of it. First game, new team, dramatically different roster than what you had a year ago. You had a couple of NBA draft picks, you know, on that roster, of course, with, uh, you know, Robert Woodard and Reggie Perry. And I'm not going to sit here and browbeat the whole thing and, and beat a dead horse, but, we, you know, we underachieved uh, with those guys on our roster. I don't think necessarily that they underachieved, and Reggie was kind of up and down at times, but uh, the guy more times than not in SEC play averaged a, uh, a double-double. But it's a different team. We got back to the NCAA tournament two years ago, did win the game. Now we kind of regroup. We're at the end of a talent cycle, so now we'll kind of regroup, and we're going to need – you know, Stewart and Adu and Iris and Molinar to kind of lead the way. But in order for us to be a 500 team or better in the SEC, some of these newcomers are going to have to play well, not just decent. They're going to have to play exceptionally well. So eager to see what happens with the season. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovas boots. 
You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. And uh, it's going to be so much different than it has been in the past. I mean, you, 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 you're going to have social distancing in Humphrey Coliseum. You must wear your mask throughout the time in the Coliseum. You know, when, you, when you're moving up around davis wade stadium you, you have to wear your mask and you take it off when you return to your seat but when you're in humphrey coliseum for men's and women's basketball you have to wear your mask now on behalf of everybody within the mississippi state family let me go ahead and just kind of appeal to some of you about these masks i understand that it is a very personal decision i also understand that there are it's a national and global health crisis that we're all dealing with let's set all that aside just for a second Let's put the politics aside, let's put the science aside, and let's just talk about courtesy. The people that work at Humphrey Coliseum, the people that are out there, they don't make a lot of money. They wear those event management group uh, shirts around there. They do what they can to kind of help you guys find a seat and they answer your questions. Uh, They don't need your philosophy or your politics or any of that your personal opinion about masks. They are charged as part of their employment to enforce the rules that are put in place by both the Southeastern Conference, NCAA, and Mississippi State. And so it's not their fault that perhaps you don't agree with the rules. And so if someone comes to you and says, sir, we're going to have to have you put your mask on, or ma'am, Please, politely, just put your mask on. You know before you get there the price of poker. You understand this is the, the rule is that you have to wear the mask as you enter the building, and you must keep it on the entirety of your time in the building. And then once you're out of the parking lot, you take it off and go live your life as you choose. And so those people that are working hard to help facilitate a game day experience that is pleasurable to everybody, they're not there you know, for your personal vending. So I'm going to ask you to be a good person. I'm going to ask you to be courteous and please wear the mask because that's what we're asked to do. I know some people are rolling their eyes at me right now saying, you know, well, Steve, I I never knew. Now, 
listen, this is not my personal stance on all this stuff. This is about what happens on the campus of Mississippi State. And all those event management people, at some point I've met them all. All those people love Mississippi State. All those people are just simply doing a job. But when I've needed those people to assist me with things, they've always been very courteous to me. And so I just encourage you to do the best you can to try to let, let's all work together to make this work. It's going to be, what, 25% capacity. It's going to be a completely different environment than what we're used to. And so let's not aggravate the issue by, you know, being difficult. I'm just asking you, as your friend and your neighbor and your fellow Bulldog, please don't give those people a hard time. Please don't. The university, the Southeastern Conference, doing all they can to bring you the sports you love played by the team you love the most. And so, again, let's not aggravate that issue by being difficult. All right, today's top ten list brought to you by the folks at my bookie. You guys know my bookie's been with me a long time. Some of you like to have a little skin in the game. And it's been an unreal year for all of us. It's crazy. But this is Thanksgiving week, so let's celebrate a little bit. Thanksgiving is about traditions, like turducken and mashed potatoes or fried turkey or betting on football. And they've moved the Steelers-Ravens game to Sunday. So rest up, Lamar Jackson, because the pain train is coming. My bookie's third annual Turkey Day free play day returns this Thanksgiving. It's your chance to bet up to 250 bucks risk-free on an early Thanksgiving game. The Turkey Day free play is a no-risk, all-gravy wager on a full-game spread. Pick the team, and you win. If your team's upset, you bet 250 It's refunded before the next afternoon game. So there's nothing to lose. New players will get their first deposit matched up to $1,000 to help add even more excitement to the greatest football weekend of the year. That's right. Make your first deposit, get extra cash, and you can use on parlays, teasers, props, all weekend long. Use promo code BONEYARD in order to claim your bonus and your free bet at MyBookie. And the best part is, it's only the beginning. MyBookie has promotions all holiday weekend long. Turkey Day free play is a Thanksgiving Thursday that rolls into Black Friday boosted odds and finishes the holiday strong with buy one, get one free Cyber Monday Night Football. That's why at my bookie they call football season winning season. Check it out now. No risk, all gravy, baby. Don't forget to use promo code BONEYARD to claim your freebies at my bookie. All right, today's top 10 list. You know, we have all connected over music so many times. I mean, some people are just kind of casual listeners. I'm a person that kind of you know, I kind of live it. Music's always on. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm recording this show, and in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm wondering why the music's not on. I always have music on. I travel with music on. It irritates me to ride with people that don't want to listen to music while we're traveling, even if we're talking. I just like to have it on. And so some of the people that I've talked to always say, Steve, I'm, I'm so amazed at your knowledge about music and the wide range of knowledge you have about things maybe that aren't just about rock music. Well, today... I'm going to go back a bit. I found one of my lists, and here about two months ago, somebody, I guess they were trying to challenge me, and said, Steve, how about a top 10 of Cool in the Gang? And I know you were probably thinking, oh, there's no way he'll do it, but you're wrong. I'm fixing to do it. Cool in the Gang, one of the great funk bands of all time. I believe they sold seven and a half, eight million records, something like that. I mean, of course, they're not superstars, but there was a time in the late 70s, early 80s, that Cool in the Gang was everywhere, everywhere. Now, a misconception a lot of people have about Cool in the Gang is the lead singer 
that joined the band in 79, stayed on for about 10 years, and then went solo was J.T. Taylor. He is not cool, okay? He's a cool guy. But Robert Cool Bell is a guy that can play about half a dozen instruments. Uh, you see him in videos playing the bass, and he used to have that Jerry Curl. It was fabulous. But Robert Cool Bell and his brother Ronald Bell founded the band back in the 60s. Ronald Bell died earlier this year. I don't remember seeing a lot of reports about that, but he wanted to found the members Cool and the gang died. But Cool and the gang is about Robert Bell, who was the leader of the band, and then the gang. And so, kind of clear that up. J.T. Taylor, great song. That's when they had their most commercial success, when J.T. was uh, the lead singer of the band. It, they, they never recaptured the magic after he left. As a matter of fact, uh, the two albums that, that followed... JT's departure from the band were largely panned by critics. The sales were awful, and many people considered them the worst albums of their career. It happens. A lot of people, you find a song, you find a singer, you find your sound, and next thing you know, when that person leaves to go solo, you don't have a band anymore. It happens all the time. It's very rare that people can pull off the ACDC, Bon Scott, uh, you know, changeover there with Brian Johnson. I mean, it, you, just, you just can't do it. You know, it's very, very difficult to do. So here are my top 10 cool and the gang songs, and they are all very cool. Number 10, uh, kind of a, you know, kind of a doo type ballad of sorts is uh, Joanna. Joanna, I Love You. Great tune. It was a huge hit for them. It was on the radio everywhere. Number 9, this was like the wedding song of the mid-80s for, uh, for a lot of people, but it's Cherish. Cherish the love we have. We should cherish the lives we lead. You know, it's... I got to. I'm gonna confess to you right now, okay? When I was an eighth grader at Jefferson Middle School, I had a girlfriend who was a sixth grader, and this was our song. Cherish. I was 13. She was 12. This is our song. I don't have any romantic connection to her or to the song, but it is a very great love song. Number eight, and uh, probably the best thing about going to LSU is hearing the, the, the Golden Band from Tigerland play Jungle Boogie. Jungle Boogie, one of, the, one of the few hits that predated J.T. Taylor joining the band for Cool and the Gang. Jungle Boogie is incredible, but I actually love the LSU band version of the song. Love it. it. It reminds me, when I hear this song, it reminds me of going to games at Tiger Stadium. That's, sometimes that's our only good memory of being in Tiger Stadium because we haven't fared so well down there. But uh, Jungle Boogie, a great, great, great jazz funk tune. Uh, number seven, Hollywood Swingin'. And you may not know it by its name because just about everybody in rap sampled this. Uh, I, I didn't put um, Summertime on here. The Cool and the Gang was sampled by Will Smith and, and the Fresh Prince when uh, the song Summertime. That was uh, Summer Madness was the name of the Cool and the Gang song, and they, kind of, they sampled some of that. Sampling is an old thing now. They don't do it anymore. But Hollywood Swing, and it's from uh, kind of that same era. But if you listen to that song, and it'll be on the, the Spotify list we'll put up later today, you'll know the song because you'll know that opening riff because everybody has used that song. Number six, we get into, I think this top six here, I think these are the jams. I think these are the Cool and the Gang jam. When I think Cool and the Gang, to me, these are the songs that immediately come to mind. Number six might not be as big a commercial hit as some of the other songs, but it's misled. Great tune, and uh, it's a little play on words. They're kind of a double entendre. Misled. 
You know, it's, uh, it's about a relationship that goes bad. We've all had those. Number five, it's too hot. Great tune, danceable song. Was a huge hit for them. It seemed like that was on Casey Kasem's Top 40 every week. Number four, and this is probably number one for a lot of people, but I'll be honest with you, it's so played, man. It's so, so played. And I'll be honest with you, I wish we didn't play today at uh, Duty Noble. I, I, I really do. I, I really do. I wish we could kind of move on to something else. But it's uh, celebration. Celebrate, good times, come on. I, I know we do it, but it's, uh, to me it just doesn't fit. But uh, great tune, but it is incredibly overplayed. Number three, oh, yes, it's ladies' night. And the feeling's right. Great tune. So it seems like I say that with all these because, it, like, to me, there are no misses on this list. You know, I think Cool and the Gang is probably a little bit underappreciated by this generation. Number two, and I had this on 45, and I couldn't wait for my local record store to have it. Could not. Matter of fact, I watched a video this morning before I got ready to record the show. It's get down on it. Because how are you going to do it if you really don't want to dance while standing on the wall? Great tune. Got it on 45. And you young people, maybe don't know what 45s are. But since you all are getting back into vinyl, you know, you're playing 33 and a third LP. You know, we used to get singles on 45 because we couldn't afford to get records. And so they would, bands would release singles on 45 and they would have a B-side on the other side. And if you liked that song, if you liked a couple of those songs and they had another hit, then you could kind of justify going out buying the record. But number one for me, and I think this is without a doubt the best Cool in the Gang song, danceable tune, great vocals on this, love the bass line too, it's fresh, she's fresh, exciting, she's so inviting to me, that's number one, so that's the top ten list from Cool in the Gang, I know you weren't expecting that today, you're thinking, you know, Steve will probably do, uh, you know, Winger or something, no, I didn't do Winger, but maybe someday we will. This Friday, we're going to go back and we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to go back a little old school when there was kind of a shift and kind of some fusion between rock and rap. And we're going to do one of the iconic groups from that era. And uh, we'll do that, get that, get that earlier this week. Somebody said, hey, Steve, why don't you do this? And I said, you know what, let's try to do it Friday. Also kicking around a new edition tree top ten list. I think that's an easy list to put together. Not just because of uh, New Edition, but look at the success that Ralph Tresvant had, Johnny Gill had, Bobby Brown had, Bell Bob DeBoe, Michael Bivens. I mean, I mean there, there's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack there to do a New Edition family tree top ten, and we'll do that. We'll get to those next week. But number, on Friday, be looking for a kind of a, kind of a groundbreaking group that, uh, was, that appealed to both rock and rap fans. All right, Hawthorne is back with us. You guys know what a big fan I am of Hawthorne. I wear my Hawthorne cologne every single day. I do. Whether I'm going anywhere or not, I like the way it smells. I like the way it makes me feel about myself. And so don't forget this Christmas to shop for yourself. Buy yourself a gift because here's what's going to happen. Somebody is going to buy you some old crappy cologne that you don't want, and then you're going to keep wearing it. You're going to wear it out of necessity because you know what? I've got it. Make an investment in yourself. Go visit Hawthorne.co, and they're going to provide you with a premium tailored personal care brand of cologne that's making it easy for you to feel and smell your best. You go take the quiz. They ask things like, you know, what's your favorite drink? Do you like spicy food? 
What do you consider a night out? Do you smoke? And so they, they ask you all these questions, and they're kind of controlled questions, so they know what product best fits you. It's very, very easy. doesn't take but about a minute or two. I got all the products. I got the body wash. I got the shampoo, the conditioner. I got the lotion. I got the, uh, the work scent and the play scent. There's so much of that that you can get yourself. And uh, listen, it is a symphony of scent. I mean, it really is. It's like once it all works together, you walk around and people are like, hey, you smoke it. What is that? What is that? And that's a nice question to get, right? That is a nice question to get. And one of, one of the best compliments that we ever get is, hey, you, you smell really nice. You smell good. I like hearing that. You do too. So go visit the folks at Hawthorne. You get to build personalized gifts for yourself. You get to get, you know, if everybody else is going to buy you, you know, tube socks or whatever, or, you know, things that work clothes or whatever, you need to do something that's kind of life-changing. And that's what Hawthorne does for you. It's a fun, convenient way to get super high-quality products tailored specifically for men. Hawthorne even takes the risk out of it by giving you free shipping on your order and any returns. If you don't like the products, return them. They'll even retailer them based on your feedback. Get special offers for the holidays going on right now by visiting Hawthorne.co. Use promo code BONEYARD. Boneyard at Hawthorne.co. You'll be glad you did. I'm telling you. All right, let's take a look at the Ole Miss Rebels. I mentioned earlier in the show they are three and four on the year. So let's take a look at the schedule here and see how they did and who they did it against. 51-35 win at home against Florida. That's what I think when we first realized that Ole Miss may be pretty good on on offense and that the uh, Florida defense may not be as advertised and they and they're not. Then they have another shootout. At Kentucky, they win, of course, because Kentucky misses a field goal and then misses an extra point that would have for- forced a double OT. But you know, here's the deal. Special teams part of the game. It's not that Ole Miss got lucky. It's the fact that Kentucky didn't execute. So I, I don't take anything away from Ole Miss. They made the plays to win the ball game. They got to put a win in the column. Alabama's 63-48 winners. But you notice early on in the season, 35 points, 42 points, 48 points. You go play uh, Arkansas, and it's a 33-21 win, and uh, Matt Corral throws five interceptions. Five interceptions. That's when Barry Odom slapped that zone on them, and then they were able to kind of defend the run, you know, with their, with their front. And then uh, they lose the Auburn game. Still, still think there's some controversy surrounding that. Auburn, of course, wins the game 35-28. That's when uh, the Auburn return man appeared to have touched the ball, and then Ole Miss recovers in the end zone. That would have put them up two touchdowns and put the game away. But, again, 28 points there. 54-21 winners over Vanderbilt. Really, really made Vanderbilt look silly, too, in Nashville. And then they put up 59 on South Carolina. Look, here's the deal. This Ole Miss offense is prolific. There is no question. The only team that's really been able to kind of hold them down have been teams from the West. Auburn, Arkansas. Both of those teams did pretty well. And that's after that great opening series of trio of games that Ole Miss had. And so while Ole Miss hadn't been able to stop anybody, they've been able to score on everybody. And that's the concern. A lot of people look at that and say, you know, well, Steve, you know, what are we going to do to slow them down? Well, I submit to you that while Matt Corral is playing the best football of his college career, he's not JT Daniels. He also doesn't have that same complement of receivers. That's not to knock the Ole Miss passing group because they've got some good guys. Braylon Sanders has exceeded expectations. I mean, honestly, Elijah Moore has exceeded expectations. One of the most explosive receivers in the SEC. And some people would say maybe he's a top five receiver. Maybe he is. I, I know this. I know last year we played him. He had three catches for 35 yards and a touchdown, of course, on the final play of the game. So we did a pretty good job kind of bottling him up last year. But you and I both know 
this is a game I'm sure that he's had circled. They can say that it's just another game, and that's what they've been told. It's not just another game. It, they, they can say whatever they want. You don't get out there and act the way they did when it's just another game. But this is a very prolific offense, and so we're going to have to play exceptional on defense. We have been very good on defense, and uh, we'll have to probably play as good a game as we played all year. But I don't think that we're going to be facing the same level of skill players that we did against the University of Georgia. And the recruiting rankings bear that out. But these guys are going to score some. We're going to score some too. Because they're so bad on defense and we are good on defense, I expect a competitive game. I really do. We're going to get into predictions later in the week. But let's look at the guys that you should be somewhat familiar with if you're not already. I know some of you don't even think about Ole Miss as far as a team. You think about their fans all year, but you don't think about them as a team until it's time to play them. And if some of us uh, watch them every time they're on TV, Jerry and Ely, having a really big year for them, said uh, in the media this week that he didn't like our football program. So he loved our baseball program. He grew up Mississippi State guy, thought about going and playing baseball here, uh, didn't like football program. And you know what? I give Derek Nix a lot of credit for recruiting him early and kind of getting him going. We were the first school that offered it, but Derek Nix really got really got in there and formed a relationship. And then, of course, Charles Huff leaves. And, and once that happened, all hopes for Mississippi State were out the door. You know, we couldn't expect Terry Richardson to come in here in just a couple of weeks be able to uh, to win Jerry and Ely over. But uh, he's having a good career up there. And, again, 608 yards rushing so far this year, uh, just over five yards of carry. Uh, Snoop Connor, a good compliment back, got it runs well between the tackles, 333 yards and six touchdowns. He is the guy that uh, – you know, on third and short, fourth and short, he's the guy you're going to give him an opportunity to carry the football, and rightfully so. Matt Corral, you know, we talked about his arm talent, 301 yards rushing already. You know, so they're utilizing some of that run-pass option stuff, and that, that's really what he's good at. You know, he, he's not the true running quarterback, but he is, a, he is a good enough runner to really make you pay so you can call some plays for him. Uh, John Rice Plumley's only played in five games this year. A lot of people in the national media were projecting him to be the starter this year. I think everybody that kind of knew anything about – uh, Lane Kiffin and what he expects in the quarterback position expected Matt Corral to get the start this year and he's done a lot with it I mean he's really only had the one bad game but um, yeah there's still a package for Plumlee and, and I will be surprised if we don't see him they've begun to involve Elijah Moore some in the running game kind of motioning him back uh, to the backfield and kind of been giving him the ball uh, you know on the inside handoff and things of that nature he's got 62 yards but a lot of that has come here as of late so uh, you know, we'll kind of see how things progress with him. But uh, let's look around here to um, to receiving. Right, let's look at Corral's numbers first. Okay, so Matt Corral has uh, played seven games, started them all, 162 of 219, has thrown nine interceptions, and that's big, but his completion percentage is a sparkling 73.97%. That's good coaching. That's good execution. That's good game planning. They're putting him in a situation where he can deliver the football uh, you know, to where his guys are the guys that are going to catch it. I mean, you know, he obviously he's not taking a lot of chances with the football, but he does have some picks, 2,359 yards, 22 touchdowns. Those are pretty big numbers, no doubt. John Rice Plumley, four of six on the year for 61 yards and a touchdown. And, again, when we get in the red zone, don't be surprised if he shows up just to kind of give you another look. Heard some things privately. It makes me think that there's some things they're kind of cooking up for the Egg Bowl since they had the two weeks to prepare. So don't be surprised if Plumlee is out there doing some things. Elijah Moore already over 1,000 yards receiving, 74 catches, 1,054, uh, eight yards, I mean, eight touchdowns. What's interesting, too, is you see these guys with these gaudy numbers, 
and you expect him to average you know, 20, 20-plus 20 yards per catch. Not the case with him, 14.24. They're throwing the ball to him underneath, letting him kind of find uh, you know a place to kind of sit in his own, and he is so electric. He can generally make the first guy miss and uh, kind of slither around out there and make some plays. And uh, listen, not the best receiver that we're going to face, but very explosive. He's This is a guy that's going to make some plays. And, again, we did a good job balling him up last year. But, uh, listen, he's kind of coming to his own on this offense, averaging 150 yards receiving per game. Kenny Yeboah is a grad transfer tight end. Man, I think this guy's a pro prospect. I really do. I know he's had some drops this year, but uh, he looks and runs like a pro prospect out there. They get him in some matchups that are advantageous and then kind of stretch the field because of his size. If he gets paired up with a safety, you know, he's going to win that battle if you throw it within his catch radius. 509 yards on 25 catches uh, and six touchdowns. Jonathan Mingo still has not realized his full potential yet, or maybe he has. 19 catches, 278 yards, and three touchdowns. Braylon Sanders, I mentioned him earlier, nine catches on the year, 219 yards. He's the guy that caught the big ball over the top last year on fourth down to prolong the ball game. Ontario Drummond uh, out of Laurels having a pretty good career there, 15 grabs, 187 yards, and four touchdowns. But, again, you look at these, these numbers and you think, okay, what jumps out to me is you've got to find a way to corral Elijah Moore and make somebody else beat you. And I think the number one thing you have to do is you have to deny Corral the first look and give the pass rush a chance to get there. You've got to give him some pressure up the middle. You've got to get some front side pressure to kind of force him to get rid of the ball maybe before he's ready. Because if you sit back there and let him pitch and catch all day, he will pick you apart. It's as simple as that. You, I don't think you can afford to play bend, don't break defense against Matt Corral. I think you have to go out there and really get after him. And, of course, he's been on two losing egg ball teams now. And, and I guess with the eligibility year being waived, theoretically, you know, he could play in six egg balls. How crazy is that to think about? Because he had the red shirt year, right? When we went up there and beat them in the fight and in the ball game, and then um, you know last year he played in the ball game and had the big comeback drive late, and so he's already got two under his belt, and uh, and is just a red shirt sophomore. So he has the opportunity to play for as long as he wants to. I don't think that he will. Obviously, I think he'll go get pro football to try. And I do think he has an NFL quality arm. He throws a very pretty deep ball. And we were susceptible to that last week. And that's what everybody's worried about. It's like, you know what, Steve? I don't think they can run and make a living running against us. But, man, that play action pass, you know, if our safeties are sloppy back there, they're going to burn us and burn us deep. And that's true. we got to be very disciplined on defense. All right, let's look at, um, let's look at defensive numbers here. The, the guy that always jumps out to me is Sam Williams. I thought that last year, I think he is, without a doubt, their best defensive player. I don't think there's any question. I think he's a pro prospect. I know he had some issues that came up off the field earlier this year, but uh, Sam Williams is a guy that can absolutely play number 13, a relentless and punishing hitter once he gets downhill on you. And uh, you'll miss some time, obviously, but uh, you know playing pretty well right now. Keedron Smith leads him in tackles with 47. Um, you know, and, and this is a junior DB from uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Not sure what his long-term plans are, but he's putting together a really big career. Jack West Jones is a guy that uh, was leaning to Mississippi State and told Mississippi State countless times, no matter what you read, I'm going to Mississippi State. Now, he ends up at Ole Miss, having a good career, though, 44 tackles. And I would argue right now, to be honest with you, I think he's their, I think he's their best linebacker. I do. I think Jack West Jones is better in space than Momo Sonogo. I think Sonogo is really good laterally. 
But I think Jacquez Jones is the guy that, uh, you know, we talk about this zone coverage. He is the guy that if, if he drops in his zone, he's going to go out there and make that open field tackle. And you got to be, be mindful of him. Where's number 32? Good player for sure. Let's go ahead and get down the list here a little bit more. Uh, A.J. Finley having a good year for them, 40 tackles. Three interceptions, four pass breakups, and a couple quarterback hurries. They move him around a lot. Lakia Henry is a junior college guy that's come in there and done a good job. Had five tackles for loss, and he got a couple sacks. Jalen Jordan, 21 tackles, solo 14 assists, 35 total. And, uh, you know, a guy that, they, again, they kind of move him around a lot too. They are not a group that does a great job with their fronts as far as pressure. You know, they're kind of exotic in what they do. They want that they're not going to be able to sit back in a base defense and then uh, and you know and, and rush the passer. I think Sam Williams is capable of beating the guy and kind of making it a one-man game. And so we're going to need Charles uh, Charles Cross to have a big game. Uh, Sam leads them in sacks with uh, with three, and then three quarterback hurries on top of it. But you know, by and large, they are not a team that has put to get put the quarterback on the ground an awful lot. Just twelve sacks on the year. But you know what? We've had some games where we have had some teams that have struggled to rush the passer. We have helped them get well. My hope is that the progress the offensive line made over the course of the last two weeks will carry over to this week. One of the things that I think is awfully interesting when you think about this group. We talk about our starting offensive line, how it went last week. I expect the same group to start this week. Charles Cross, left tackle, Laurel, Mississippi. Greg Island, left guard, Philadelphia, Mississippi. Cole Smith, center, Pontotoc, Mississippi. Right guard, Darian Parker, from up there at DeSoto Central in Mississippi. And then you get out there with your your right tackle, Cam Jones, from Starkville, Mississippi. It's an all-Mississippi starting five. Kind of reminiscent of uh, that group, you know, when Dan Mullen first got here. You know, that group with uh, Sherrod and Salisbury and Brignani and Tobias Smith and Addison Lawrence. Kids from Mississippi get it. They understand the significance of this game. I expect these guys to show up. And some people would say, well, it doesn't matter where they're from. You're wrong. You're wrong. When you grow up in this state, you understand how important this game is. That's not to say that outsiders can't come in and acclimate because guys like Errol Thompson clearly know what this game is about, and he's from Alabama. But kids from Mississippi understand. They grew up being around state fans, Ole Miss fans. They understand it. They understand you live with it year-round. We might play the game once a year, but we're at war all year. It's as simple as that. You got to live with the outcome all year long. Now, what's interesting too, you know, state wins a game last year, and then uh, you know, most people say, well, you know, uh, you know, Elijah Moore did this, and uh, but it's not about last year; it's about this year. And I agree with that aspect of it. But for those people to suggest, oh, well, we we fired Joe Moorhead because Ole Miss hired Lane Kiffin, they're idiots. Those people are complete idiots. That's not the case. Joe Moorhead was on thin ice going into the Egg Bowl. You guys remember some of that. Wins the ball game, was expected to get another year, and then chaos ensues on campus during bowl practice, and uh, we lose the ball game, look totally unprepared, and then we make a change. 
our decision had nothing to do with their decision. And if you believe that it did, you have too many Ole Miss people in your life. Because I can tell you from talking to decision makers prior to and after, that was not a factor in our discussions at all. But those are the Rebels. Defensively, not a great team. Offensively, very much a great team. It's going to be very, very interesting because we're kind of finding some rhythm offensively, and we have been one of the better teams in the SEC defensively all year. We just need a way to go, find a way to go out there and get some stops. And I believe, you know, if we confuse Matt Corral a little bit, he can assist us in that. You know, they're one of, if I'm not mistaken, last time I looked, they were the top rushing team in the SEC. And so this is going to be a real challenge for our defense. But I would rather have Kobe Jones and Marquis Spencer, also from Mississippi, kind of leading that defensive front. They, they get it. They understand it. Jaden Crumbity, you're a starting defensive tackle from Oak Grove, Mississippi. I think those guys get it. We've got to go make some plays, and that front's going to be big. We've got to get out there. We've got to be able to stabilize their running game and kind of make them one-dimensional uh, and then play good sound defense in the secondary. We'll get into the picks uh, on Friday. But that's a look. Again, this is a good Ole Miss team offensively, but they're really bad defensively. And I think that's what makes this whole, this whole thing a wild card is really the game is going to be won or lost on Mississippi State's ability to slow down the Ole Miss offense. I don't think you stop them. You know, we've had a couple of years, the last couple of years, where, you know, they, they've come into the game been exceptionally prolific, and then we've limited them to the next to nothing. That's just kind of how it's been. You got to win a turnover battle. You got to go out there, and I think Mike Leach will do a great job, kind of controlling the flow of the game. You know, I think if they drop in the zone, we're going to do, uh, you know, what uh, what we did last week. We're going to take, we're going to check it down. We're going to go five and seven yards, and we'll curl those receivers in the middle of the field, and and then when you begin to bite on that, we'll hit you. You know, we'll hit hit you up the seam. But um, I do think it's interesting that Mike Leach has shut down camp this week. No media coverage this week. That doesn't mean that we get we, – we've never been able to go in practice since Mike Leach has been here. But now no player or coach interviews this week. And if you, if you saw what the Ole Miss players have said and done, you may, maybe you get it. Because if you don't think that every, all those negative comments about not liking our football program are on the bulletin board, you're, you're kidding yourself. It's out there. And so I think Mike Leach is doing the best thing he can by circling the wagons, preparing to go win a ball game. And if you don't think they get it, I can tell you – you misunderstand. It's not about Washington, Washington State. It's not about A&M and Texas Tech. It's not. It's about State and Ole Miss. You don't know until you get on that field the first time. It's, it, is, it is a hatred that is palpable. When you go up there, you feel it. It's unlike anything else. And I'm sure they feel the same way when they come here. Because they don't like us and we don't like them right back. But it'll be an interesting ball game, and I, I'm eager to see how we perform. I think whoever makes the first big mistake is going to be in trouble and be chasing the game the entire game, and I hope it's not us. I'd love for us to be able to step into a pick six early and kind of get things rolling. How great would that be? All, teams like ours just need a little bit of belief, and that's one of the things they picked up last weekend. Even in a loss, they begin to kind of rally around each other and say, you know what, we, we're still capable of doing some good things. And, again, you won a couple ball games here at the end of the year, and that's certainly possible. You know, I think you win this. I think you can win the Ole Miss game. I think you can win the Mizzou game, and we'll see what happens with Auburn. But Auburn's a better team than us at this point. No, no telling what kind of shape we'll both be in by the time we get there. All right, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show, 
heard from uh, the lovely, talented Susie this morning. She told me that uh, somebody had dropped off a book there or bought a book there and needs me to come by and personalize it. We're happy to do that. Love that you guys support our local vendors. And Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. And you deserve to be treated as such. So go by, check them out. And, you know, if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web. Christmas is almost here. It's th- I mean, it's, today is November 25th. I know we've kind of lulled ourselves into this false sense of security, but it's time for you. Mom, it's time to start shopping. It's time to get the Christmas tree up. Okay, let's get this show on the road. No better place to start than campusbookmart.net. And because t- t- sometimes things get tight around Christmas, we'll save you a little cash by being a Boneyard listener. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all our orders over 50 bucks. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Let's talk a little recruiting. How about that? Earlier today, Mississippi State extended an offer to C.J. Johnson from French Camp Academy. I expect him to play corner. He could play safety. A guy that had a huge senior season and recently has seen his recruitment take off. He committed to Navy back in June and then has now picked up offers from Florida State and Ole Miss and now Mississippi State. Now, contrary to some reports, C.J. Johnson grew up favoring Mississippi State and Egg Bowl. A lot of people said, well, yeah, he grew up in a state family, but he always liked Ole Miss. So here's the thing that I'll tell you about that. All those kids like who's offered them last, right? I get a new offer. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, great. I've always loved them. You know, it's just like when you meet somebody famous, right? You meet somebody famous and you know, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't really like Brett Michaels from Poison, but that, then uh, you see him and you take a picture with him anyway. It's kind of like that, you know. And so when these guys get interviewed and say, hey, well, you just picked up an offer from Ole Miss. What do you think about Ole Miss? Hey, Ole Miss is great. Hey, it's great. I'm so grateful and appreciative that they've offered me. But CJ grew up a bulldog. Now, I had some people close to him tell me if State offered, good chance he's going to be a bulldog. Now, he tells me that he's not going to make a decision in December. He's going to wait the process out. We'll see how things go. But uh, he's a guy right now that is trending towards a January decision and a February signing. You begin to ask yourself, if he dreamed of playing for Mississippi State, now he's got the offer, uh, why didn't he go ahead and pull the trigger in December? And you know what, he may. But as of right now, that's not what he's planning to do. So we'll kind of wait and see how that progresses here over the course of the uh, the next few weeks. It's three weeks, just under three weeks to National Signing Day. Just under three weeks. And it's so crazy to think that, uh, you know, generally that Sunday after the Egg Bowl, you know, your coaches are getting on the road and going out and having in-home visits, and none of that's possible anymore. Wrote about that earlier this week, just yesterday, when I interviewed Coach Tony Hughes about that, how it's different this year. How, what do you do? What do you do differently that, that, you, that you hadn't done already? How do you get out there and put an exclamation point on your recruiting statement? You don't have an opportunity to bring them to campus and host them and feed them a steak dinner, let them dance with a pretty girl and go out and have a good time and live like kings for a weekend. You can't do that. So kids can't get caught up in the moment. I think that probably helps somebody like Mississippi State, to be honest with you. You can't go out in the in-home the in visit and sit there across a mom and dad and kind of you go over an academic plan. So this is our, our plan for your, your child to finish up and get a college degree and be able to, you know, to go into the workforce once football's over. Yeah, you can do it on Zoom, but there's something about doing it. When you go to their home, it's almost like you're showing them how important you are because I can sit in an office and do 20 Zoom calls a day. But if I get in my car and I drive to Bug Tussle, Mississippi, and drive down some gravel road and go sit in somebody's house and put my feet under their table, there's a real commitment there. It's a different deal. 
And so you don't have any of that. You're not able to put your exclamation point on what you've done. You just, you just have another Zoom call because that's, that, that's where we are right now. Dylan Spencer, former Madison Central offensive lineman, uh, picked Mizzou over Mississippi State in the final tally last year, primarily because his uncle, Chris Spencer, played with Marcus Johnson, who uh, is now the offensive line coach at Mizzou. There's a relationship there. And so he goes to Mizzou, gets up there. It's a little bit far away from home, decides he wants to come back. Matter of fact, he's already back home. He's already finished his uh, coursework for the semester, and he's back in uh, Madison, Mississippi. Does not plan to return to Columbia, Missouri at any point, unless it's a visiting player. So he will be able to enroll somewhere in January. He does have an offer from Mississippi State. Don't know at this point what his leanings are. He's still kind of figuring things out. And of course, now that he's in the portal, he'll attract some other offers and attention. But he's got about three weeks to make a decision. I am told he wants to stay closer to home, so we'll see if that's a factor. Don't know if Ole Miss is offered or if they're interested to just go around or not. But I know that Mississippi State has. And in the event that he picks Mississippi State, that closes out your offensive line recruiting for this year. He also has the benefit of having, you know, half a year of SEC play under his belt and the fact that he'll have the ability to run roll in January and go through spring practice. I think in many ways it makes him more attractive than the typical high school recruit. I also expect him to play guard if he comes to Mississippi State. I think that's where he fits. Uh, started a couple ball games up there uh, for Mizzou. You know, everybody, that's the thing about nowadays, you, you got to have that next man mentality because you never know from one ball game to the next who's in, who's out, who's sick, who's not. But Dylan's played up there some, and so he's got some experience. And so this is a guy, too, that uh, was kind of told last year that, you know what, Columbia, Missouri is a long way from uh, Jackson, Mississippi. You know, can your mom and your family, your extended family, come see you play? Well, it turns out they couldn't, you know, because of all a lot of the COVID restrictions and then the distance and everything else. And so if he elects to go to Mississippi State, obviously that process is made a lot easier. So we'll see how things progress there. John Lewis, linebacker out of Germantown, kind of a, not a late bloomer, but a guy that would have benefited from the camps. He's kind of been a known commodity, too, and some people told me early on that they weren't exactly sure how things were going with him academically, but I'm told he's going to qualify. Picked up offers kind of like C.J. Johnson, got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Florida State, so now he's got a decision to make. And I have heard at some point that all three of those schools have led. Lately, I've heard that Ole Miss has been trending, and somebody else told me that actually FSU is the leader right now. FSU not having a good year. But, uh, you know, FSU, is the, you know, the luster on that program may be off a little bit, but uh, you know, they're working hard in recruiting, and I think it shows, too, that they're striking out other places and kind of uh, coming back into uh, places that Mike Norvell and his staff are somewhat familiar with. So we'll see how things go. John Lewis is a good player. One of the things that I think about, too, is let's say, for example, that State or Ole Miss gets John Lewis. Well, I think then that, that gives you a leg up on, uh, you know, Xavier Harris and, uh, you know, the running back there next year. The name escapes me. But, uh, you know, Germantown beginning to produce some prospects. And so when you begin to think about the possibilities of next year, it makes his recruitment take on low added value this year. And so – you know, we'll see how things progress. But uh, anytime there's people in the central Mississippi area, there's always factors. There's always other things that you have to consider. There's always somebody in their ear. Always, 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 always. So that's a recruiting update. We, uh, we, we, Paul Jones and I do the biscuits and the bones you know, four or five days a week, and you can check those out over at jeanspage.com. And we talk about some of the stuff and answer your questions. And I think that's one of the best things about – uh, being a member of Jeans Page is just having access to our experts. I mean, we cover every team. Uh, you know, Robbie Falk is our women's basketball expert, and uh, Nick Hayes is helping out on the women's basketball recruiting aspect of things. 
uh, Dave Murray, Mike Nemeth, Paul Jones, and I, we, we all cover everything. And so if you have questions about any of the Bulldog sports teams, you can visit us at jeanspage.com and ask our experts uh, those questions. If you're thinking about moving to Starville, and you darn well should be, I don't want, I don't want too many of you guys to come because I don't want to have to wait to get a table at my favorite restaurants. But um, if you are looking for a great place to live, look no further than Portico. Portico, very easy to find, but kind of tucked away too. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just 1.1 miles from campus. But it's, uh, it's right there off of Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Chrysler Jeep dealership. So it's not too far from the flow of things, but it's far enough away you've got a little bit of privacy out there. Easy access to Highway 82 and 25. 51 houses total in this development. So they're not going to build them on top of each other. 18 houses in the first phase, and those houses are, are nearing move-in condition. 33 houses will begin in the second phase of construction after the turn of the year. Houses to fit your needs, any size family, from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, from two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico even includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. Brooks Bryan, you know Brooks. Brooks Bryan, Diamond Dog Hero, helped send us to Omaha. Brooks Bryan is one of the developers, and Brooks is happy to talk to you about making Starkville your home and choosing Portico as your next residence. If you need an investment property or just a getaway to come up here and watch the ball games and have a nice place to live, they can take care of that for you too. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And if you don't know, Brooks Bryan robbed a home run against the University of Washington and sent us to Omaha. You may not even have to ask him about it, but he's happy to talk to you about it. Brooks Bryan, a good friend of the show, and uh, encourage you, if you're looking to relocate to Starkville or within Starkville, give Portico an opportunity. All right, so I told you guys on Friday for Black Friday, I will be at the lodge most of the day. So if you're looking for, uh, you know, for books for the Bulldogs on your list, and you should be, uh, then I want you to you know come by and say hello, and I'll, I'll personalize those, and you don't have to wait for it in the mail. You can just come by, and uh, we can say hello and get a picture, and I can write whatever you want. But, uh, but I'll be there, and a lot of people, of course, will have family in town, and it's fun to get out and go shop you know, with your cousins and your daughters and, your, and everybody else. In the lodge, you know, that's where I'll be. And uh, they'll have a lot of opportunities for you to come by and check that out. So uh, we have had so much fun with the book, and I've had so many people that have reached out. I heard from uh, John McCrillis today, and uh, it's so great. I don't know if you guys know this. Bill McCrillis, excuse me, I knew that was wrong. Bill McCrillis was super fan at Mississippi State. And you can say, well, Steve, I'm the super fan. No, Bill McCrillis was officially Superman. He had the cape and everything, Bill McCrillis. And so Bill reaches out this morning, and, uh, you know, he's read the book. And, um, you know, I guess it just kind of hit him, you know, how cool this was that we were able to kind of retell and capture his story for a new generation of Bulldog fans. And uh, actually tracked down the photographer. We were looking through all the news clippings, and there was a picture of a young Bill McCrillis going into a phone booth and then changing into the superfan costume and walking out. We're able to get those fo- get permission to use those photos. So they're in the book. And I've had so many other people that have reached out, families of people that are featured in the book. Just yesterday I had somebody contact me about a story against Stark Billings that involved a uh, former U.S. congressman that uh, was bit on the buttocks in Clinton, Mississippi as a young teen. You never know what kind of a side you're going to get in the inbox. And say, so, you know what, Steve, I, I wish I had known about this or I would have told you. But there's so many great stories out there. There's so many people that love Mississippi State. 
you know, good, good times and bad. There's so many people out there that say, you know what, I, I'm willing to go out here and put on a cape and look kind of silly and try to fire a crowd up because I love Mississippi State. You know what, there's some other guys out there that say, you know what, I'm going to go steal the golden egg because I don't want them to carve forfeited on it. I'm going to make sure that the, that the scores of the game are properly recorded because they love Mississippi State. And maybe you're not willing to take such drastic steps to demonstrate your fandom. But at the end of the day, we all love Mississippi State. Some of us may be more than others. And there are some times, too, that we get at odds. We do. I mean, the chances of all of us getting together in a bar and having a drink are pretty slim, right? And having a good time and enjoying each other's company. But we kind of unite around Mississippi State. And my hope is tonight our, our Bulldog basketball team can go out and get us a win, kind of get that season off to a good start. Don't know what to expect. But I'm eager to see the team play. And I'm eager to see the team go down there and win a ball game against Ole Miss on Saturday. And I believe we can win the ball game. I know that uh, Vegas has them, at, I think, when it opened at 12, and I think we're laying nine and a half now. I thought the spread was a little bit high when it came out. I'm not exactly sure what the, what the odds makers say right now. But you and I both know none of that means anything. You know, we were a double-digit favorite here a couple of years ago and uh, had our quarterback's leg broken in a ball game. And I don't care what anybody says, I believe that was a deliberate act. Did they mean to break his leg? Maybe not. But it's a dirty play. There is no rolling tackle in football. There's no hammer fist in football. I understand football is a physical game, but you play it within the framework of the rules. But I know what a win in this ball game would do for Mike Leach and for this administration and for, uh, you know, for, for this team kind of pushing into recruiting for next year. You want to be the cool team in state. You want to be the team that says, you know what, we're going in the right direction and they're not. You know, Ole Miss on the verge of having their fifth consecutive losing season. They may end up in a ball game by default, but at the same time, you know, it would be nice to say, you know what, they've had five straight losing seasons and, uh, you know, we've beaten them four out of five times. So, you know, we're, we're moving in the right direction. And that's what that means. I mean, you, it's not just one game. It's, it's being able to tell these high school kids that uh, most have never seen, have never known a year where we weren't in a bowl game. To be able to say, you know what, we've been to 11 straight bowl games. They hadn't been to one since 2015 until they had to gift them one, you know. And so it's an important game. You guys understand it. And it's not just about having bragging rights over your neighbors or coworkers or anything like that. If, if you love Mississippi State, you want and need Mississippi State to win that ball game on Saturday. And there are a lot of people out there that are scared of Ole Miss. I'm not scared of Ole Miss. I think I've proven that. But there are a lot of people out there that, you know, it's like all of a sudden that we're getting ready to play them and they're, you know, they're going to run the 46 zone Buddy Ryan defense of the 85 Chicago Bears. They're going to, you know, they're going to go out there and have Tommy Frazier play quarterback. And it's like sometimes we lose sense of reality. But make no mistake, this Ole Miss team is very capable of scoring points. We may need a non-offensive touchdown to find a way to win the ballgame. But we can win the ballgame. We're capable of winning the ballgame. And if you had to ask me to put some money down today, I would say we're going to win the ballgame. Well, that's going to do it for today. I'll see you guys on Friday. But until then, man, enjoy your family. Enjoy Thanksgiving. And let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.